Hello, friends and neighbors in the audio radiance. I am Spider Robinson, the James Taylor of the Stone Age, coming to you from the home of the terminally confused Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We will tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Beach ball, beach ball. I hate Skype some nights. Uh, <laughs> hello, pre-holiday super soaker holiday shoppers. Uh, welcome to TalkCast 257. Why in the name of global warming is there a December anymore? Who knows? But as the Dome, I'm required to ask that and other useless questions. And so we continue on. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the usual suspects in the pre-holiday form from the Revere Time Vortex Arts Violent Soundboard Vixen, Contessa of Sparkly Stuff, Vice Princess of Rhetoric. If she doesn't have an opinion, wait to, she will. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. You suck at estimates. You don't need to wait two. You only need to wait one second. God. I didn't say seconds. I didn't say seconds. I said two. You make up your own time continuum, because I'm done with it. I'll give you a time from the stack continuum. Of yeah, frankly, you will. Mm. From the stacks of her personal calm space in the Dank Dungeons, only indoor combinations, Zen and Herb Garden, adjacent to the robot reading room, she's quiet because she's forgotten once again to unmute herself. It's the Zombrarian. Time has no meaning anymore because my students have entered exams and <laughs> the library is open 24 hours and I don't know... There was a kid with a crock pot full of ramen and a sleeping bag today. I hear That's... some purring. Also, there's a cat. Okay. Do you want to go be a therapy cat for the stressed out college students? No, she just wants to sit on your computer. She does. She's not even. She's like six inches away. From a galaxy far, far away, our woman in chain mail drinks synthale, enjoys holiday programs of her own design, and travels across the globe, sometimes even forgetting to tell us she's doing it. Please welcome well, once again, Sir, Sir Sarah Lady Knight. Hi, I'm in Texas. It's, it's, <laughs> it's warm. It's, I'm not freezing. I don't know what to do. Shut it's up. December. I didn't oh, say I goodness. enjoyed it. I said it's weird. We know damn well you're enjoying it. Don't taunt us yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our guest tonight from the comic book series Sci-Fi's, or Siffy's if you're Kriana, this is, is Ramon Gill. Like all over again. Yeah, it's going to be that way. Because we're going to pronounce <laughs> things ten different ways. Miltos, yep. whatever your last name is. You're all about. There you go. Geronimo? Did you actually say Geronimo? Geronimo. No. no, you said Geronimo. I'm not the 11th Doctor. <laughs> Are you sure? Because that would be cool. Not. 
because I'm not poorly written and womanizing. There you go. Ramon Gill is joining us. Ramon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, we have to start off with a bit of a eulogy tonight. Uh, Are you Googling? This, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Terry De Silva, otherwise known as the Graceful Woman Warrior, uh, died gracefully and peacefully uh, on December 5th. For those of you who are aware of the struggle, uh, um, she will be sorely missed by all of us. Our deepest and heartfelt sympathy goes out to her family, to her husband and her daughter and her father, who is a close friend of the show. She joins her mother, and it's been a horrible couple of years. Our thoughts and prayers are with you all tonight. May you rest in peace, Terry De Silva. It's hard to go anywhere from there. Yeah. Well, then why don't we go to The Flash? Why don't we go to the news, Brianna? Uh, I have the button right here. <laughs> wow. I think I like Tom Bryan's version. Oh, no. <laughs> I think we should record that and then have that. Wow. My God. <laughs> wow. The cat so, go ahead, Brianna. the beatbox. So the flash <laughs> doesn't suck as much as I thought it would. Yay. It's actually Why not? It's somewhat entertaining. And it's funny. It's like it's like how you're watching Torchwood and you're super depressed, and then you switch back to Doctor Who and it's so much lighter, even though sometimes you feel like it's depressing. The flash is Doctor Who, and Arrow is Torchwood. Really? Arrow is, like, super heavy all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, just partially oh, get over yourself, it. Oliver Queen, you douche. Oliver Queen is the most boring character out of anything I've ever seen. Douchey McDoucherstein. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, kind I of really interesting. Think... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, well, I was saying I don't really, like, find him to be... I mean, he's kind of a douche, but I don't think he's, like, that much of a douche. My problem with him is that he's extremely boring and lifeless. And, like, I don't care about him or his motivations. I'm just like, why? You're, like, the, like, dullest bro I've ever or seen. Why should mom, I care about Or his dead best right. friend or his dead girlfriend's right. sister. His mom But dies? I just think it's kind of weird yeah, that the worst character in the show... Is the title character? I don't think it's weird. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's typical. Dollhouse, though. I think it's yeah. typical. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> Eliza Dushku <laughs> cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Oh, that's bullshit. No, that's it's, not. I, mean, I like her. All right, she's, she's very attractive. Like she's a little. No. She's a little skinny for me. She's very attractive young lady. She cannot act her way out of a paper bag. I think you are so wrong there. It's painful. Yeah, well, I you just got distracted by her boobies. Not She's I not know, it's like a great she actor. was not a good enough actress to play the variety of roles in one piece that was that Dollhouse had like was the point of Dollhouse. I feel like Summer Glow would have been amazing in that role, but no, they had to greenlight Dollhouse when she was on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Well, I'm I still mean, mad. you know, first of all, Joss Whedon is the one who said out loud 
something no one should ever say, which is they canceled the wrong show. Yeah. When it was Sarah Connor and Dollhouse, and Dollhouse got the second year and Sarah Connor didn't. He literally went oh. to them and said, you've canceled the wrong show. And it was wow. a show that he felt had been canceled. But I mean, yeah. the show itself, I thought, you know, not bad. Really different idea. Like the idea. I mean, and, it had a great uh, premise. It was just that the main characters were terrible. Like, Paul Ballard was absolutely the worst. Um, like, regardless I, I like of Ballard. if... I am one. the flattest and main character ever. I make Oliver Queen I, look three-dimensional. Right. Yeah. Well, and he was supposed to, like, act, apparently, as, like, the foil to kind of the white knight trope, but he ended up just being, like, the worst white knight trope ever. Like, they tried to, trope, like, yeah. make... Right, and they tried to make a statement with it, and they failed. They absolutely failed. I was like, "This is you literally just did the thing that you were trying to not do, that you were trying to make." Um, like, well, I don't remember the words, but yeah, you get what I mean. Hopefully, yes, I do actually. Yes, good. But I mean, you I'm know, glad. <laughs> I really think that that Arrow is probably one of the dumbest ideas because it's got a good story. It's doing some good things. But the main character is the most uninteresting part of it. Yeah, I mean, literally, I, the only reason I watched it for as long as I did, which was till the end of season two, was because of Felicity. Well, you're gonna have to. She's you're great. gonna have to start watching again because it starts crossing crossing over with the Flash hard, hard. No, yeah. well, I don't. But, I don't even but, know if but, I'm gonna but, watch but, the Flash. But Felicity crosses over. And it's <sighs> awesome. It's so yeah. awesome. It's you knew that Felicity was going to cross over. <laughs> they really set that up last season. Oh my god, it was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That, that's what made Zombarian want to go back and watch Arrow, is that she was like, Seriously, Felicity's I started, the best. I started yeah. watching Arrow because I turned to Kriana after we watched, like, what, the second or third episode of The Flash, and I was like, I want more Felicity. I want to see Felicity all the time. And she said, watch oh, Arrow. Felicity she shows up all the time on Arrow. Gem. Yep. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, no, she's she's so great. And I just, like, adore her. But I just can't... I don't know. And did you know that she's, like, born in 1991? Shut what? the front door. She's, she's a, a tiny baby. baby. I mean, I was born in 1990. But um, we'll not talk, talk about that. You're a baby. Um, oh my God. I'm, I'm a baby. I'm yes, so that, fucking that old. <laughs> Now I know how Dome feels. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I remember having a hard time switching to writing the date of your, like, to writing your birth year after the new year, I feel like wow. I can call you a babe. Like, I remember yeah, so thinking, that, yeah. oh, writing 1990 is hard. It's like two number changes instead of one. <laughs> wow no, uh, yep, I'm definitely a baby so I mean you know good show good premise bad main character mm-hmm. and, like, if, you're gonna, if you're going to enjoy Flash you've got to keep up with what's going on in Arrow because the crossovers become fairly intense so far mm-hmm. anyway so you're stuck with it so far. do they go yeah. because I feel like I didn't watch much Arrow and I still caught no no of- you're gonna come back after number one you didn't watch much Arrow so you have no idea what was going on with Arrow when that was going on in the flash so you missed right. like half the plot oh 
I didn't know I missed half the plot, though. <laughs> you will, at some point, there will be this void, and you're going to go, I bet this was all on. See, and I didn't feel like I had missed anything. But it's you like did, how... because it, it came on, on previously on The Flash, and they were showing scenes from Arrow, and you were like, I think we missed an episode. And I was like, no, that was from Arrow. So you definitely felt... That's true. But I feel like it's kind of like it was helpful to watch Doctor Who if you wanted to watch Torchwood, but you didn't Honey, need that. It. That analogy does not work that far. I was, I was, Fine. all, yeah, I, all I was this. saying was Fine. in terms of the relative lightness and watchability. That's all. Fine. Nah. Anyway, the main character on the Flash is extremely relatable and likable and adorable. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I really like. I, I, um, I think I was saying before the show, I saw the most recent episode this morning with my friend that I'm staying with, and I enjoyed it. I was like, "This is fun," but I just really don't want to watch Arrow anymore at all, especially because they killed off, you know, the, the bi character, and I'm like, "Wow, that's yep. frustrating." Because they can't have two female superheroes, right? That's you can't do that. That's not real life, right? Well, I think Feli- I guess Felicity there's a lot counts. That broken. Felicity counts. Yeah. All right. But there, there were too many. I don't know. That kind too of like too much but estrogen I'll, up in here. Ah. But I'll tell you, the the one Felicity centric episode on Arrow this season was actually quite good. Yeah. That that I found to be you know thank you for finally taking the time. To flesh out this character the way she deserves. She's the shining beacon of that show, and Dig is her straight man. You know what? The only that. thing. Let's stop talking about Arrow because it's depressing, and yeah. I can't talk. <laughs> and let's talk about the Flash for a moment. And the only thing that mm-hmm. really, really bothers me is that you know I'll watch Walking Dead where the physics of you know exploding zombies and rotting flesh slamming into things is actually really Uh. pretty good like it seems like it works and then i watched the flash and he grabs a kid who's in front of a truck and like pulls him out of the street and and they bang into a fence and i expect this child to like get diced up by this metal you know chain link fence and instead he's totally fine or I watch him grab a bicyclist off, but... out of the air from in front of a speeding car. And I'm like, that would at least break some ribs, if not completely pulverize all his organs. And the physics of the Flash bothers me. Okay, but Yeah, but it's like, it's flash. TV. Like, physics aren't real. It's... Yeah, there's no such thing as, as physics. <laughs> but it bothers me that physics? I'm expecting people to get hurt yeah, no, and they're fair. not. It's God like, damn it, when people don't get hurt, that's the worst. No, it's <laughs> like when you're watching old kung fu movies and you can totally tell that they like swing their fist kind of towards a person and then the person goes, oh, my face! And you're like, that didn't even hit you. <laughs> Those yeah. bastards. And if we've <laughs> learned anything from the Mighty Ducks... It's that you don't take falls because that's not how you win. Oh, good lord! And then get to go to the Junior <laughs> Olympics. Yep, we went there, everyone. Oh, oh god! We, we, we've gone to Mighty Ducks, and what did I get shut yeah. down for? Yeah. 
I don't know. What I'm did just you get saying. <laughs> All right, I am shifting gears because physics in the Mighty Ducks lessons is not where we're going tonight. Uh, okay. I'm going to kickstart a spotlight tonight because I have a Kickstarter I want to talk about. It is Her Highness Builds Robots, Princesses for the 21st Century by Laura and Beth Winters, which I absolutely adore. It's a coloring book for modern girls featuring modern princesses. Uh, and it is possibly the most wonderfully empowering coloring book I have ever seen. Um uh, I was just entranced by this. Uh, I think this is a wonderful, wonderful project. They've already met their goal, and they've still got uh, 17 or 18 days left. Um, and I, I think it's terrific. I, I'm I, not in love with it. it. Kicks okay, well, you don't have to be. I'm not. It's a Kickstarter staff pick, which I think gives it a lot more credibility. And right now... Uh, I just think it's the coolest thing ever. Check it out. We'll have the link on the website. Uh, go there, check it out, and and if you feel so inclined, uh, book a couple of bucks their way and get a coloring book for some young girl to learn about modern princesses. Or don't. <laughs> Do whatever you want. You're in we don't own a... your life. Yeah. Absolutely. I do. <laughs> you want everyone's life. Yep. <laughs> All right. Where do we want to go next then? That's what she said. Well, Felicia Day wrote a book. I hate her. Oh no! Why? Her nose is awful, and she has a horrible personality. <laughs> her oh, personality no. sucks. Priyana's a little bit shallow sometimes no 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 she's like oh i just i hate her she just drives me crazy yeah. she drives me I'm crazy sorry. that seems like a personal problem <sighs> it, does. it seems more like a bad <laughs> 90s song oh, oh. Mm -hmm. awesome now i really Good. want to kill myself um you're welcome <laughs> for the earworm <sighs> <laughs> good. good. Oh lord. Yeah, well that's pretty much it. She wrote a book and uh just went on sale or pre-sale like today or something. What's I think she it about? about it. Is it a non-fiction um, book or a fiction book? We need more details. <laughs> um it looks like it is a memoir and it's called uh, You're Never Weird on the Internet almost. And unless looks, you're a feminist. It, or a social yeah. justice well, warrior, you know. Yeah, well, then you're not weird. You just get, like, death threats and, you know, doxxed. Yay! Fun turn Yay. in the conversation. Uh, <laughs> that's it. I'm done. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we have to talk about the shrimp gun. The what? Oh, the shrimp gun? The sh no. The shrimp gun. <laughs> I would rather yeah, talk about the Girl, Sc Girl Scouts. Speaking of feminists, yeah, okay. Girl yeah, I'm, Scouts I'm are going to be allowed to sell cookies online. Speaking of feminists in the internet, there you go. There's your segue. Yes. 
Oh, perfect. God. Girl Scouts can sell right. cookies online. This is a big deal. Because Why? did you know they're not allowed to go door to door anymore? They're not? Really? I didn't know that. Why not? No, they recommend, like, the Girl Scouts of America recommends against going door to door to sell cookies. Which is why you see them like outside why? the grocery store and stuff. It's dangerous, um, mm, mostly because, sense. well, because if you've got a place where it's difficult to walk from house to house, um, mm -hmm. like there are a lot of people who live in places where it's not entirely safe to walk from house to house. Yeah. And also, if you live in a neighborhood with lots of kids, you get like five kids asking you to buy cookies. And if you live in a neighborhood with no kids, how do you get your Thin Mints? You know how you get your Thin Mints now? Online. Oh, yes. Cool. So all you internet geeks who don't like interacting with small children, now you don't It's like Grubhub, but for Girl Scout cookies. But for Girl Scout cookies, yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> about it. You don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to interact with children. <laughs> you don't I mean, look no, creepy like actively. <laughs> you don't look creepy when you're actively going around at work asking people who have young children when Girl Scout cookies are going to be on sale. Yeah. Or whether their child is in Girl Scouts, which is not the way to start that conversation, by the way. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, really? is your kid in Girl Scouts is not the way to start that. Yeah, probably um, not. I would, yeah, that makes sense. I can understand why that would be a bad idea. You know, tips and tricks for those who would like to not be arrested. <laughs> Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That's really helpful to my life. You know, I do what I can. PSA. For all you listeners out there. Good. Somebody do something new because I'm going to keep going with this and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> uh, Stephen Colbert's last show is this week. Uh, where he's yeah. leaving the Colbert Report. And in the next four to five months, we'll be taking over the Letterman show. And I'm guessing they won't call it the Letterman show at that point. They'll probably call it something else. <laughs> I'm not sure what. Maybe something to do with Stephen Colbert. I, I was thinking they might <coughs> call it Apple Cobbler. But <laughs> I'm really fascinated. I'm really, really fascinated to find out what his actual personality is like. Like, he yeah. does such a good job, usually, of not dropping the persona that I feel like I don't know who Stephen Colbert is. It's funny because he's really been wanting to uh, get rid of that show and get rid of that persona for about two years. And yeah. it's been so popular, he hasn't been able to. They keep upping the ante. And finally, when CBS came to grab him, they couldn't match it. So he just kind of went, yes, I'm done. Thank you. Can I interest you in Hanukkah? <laughs> that was a great, that, that was a great bit. Kriana and I sing it as a duet at least once every year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. I get I get to be Stephen Colbert and she gets to be Jon Stewart. Only we should we should that should be our end music tonight. But 
Oh, only be because I know thing. how to pronounce Hanukkah. You got a ch when you say it. Hanukkah? Hanukkah. You got a ch. Hanukkah? You got a ch no when you say it. Yeah. Hanukkah? Yeah. There I had a lot go. of practice in that. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so if we're going to keep talking about TV, and I guess we probably should, uh, did we talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet? No, we didn't. Ah, that's how I feel about <laughs> last night's episode, about Tuesday night's episode. Um, um, uh, I don't know how to feel, actually. I'm taking over this because I have a lot of feelings. Um, Go for it, because Kriana and I haven't seen it yet. Okay, and sure. I have, oh. and I, I will, we will point counterpoint this, Sarah. Go ahead. Yes. All right. Well, spoilers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a bunch of spoilers. So they kill Trip. And Sky becomes a superhero, and Raina probably becomes a supervillain. And I don't know how to feel about it because I'm really mad that they killed Trip, but they didn't kill Mac. They saved Mac. Mac is fine. Um, but Trip was like one of my faves, and they killed him. And I'm really confused about this because um, he's rumored to be in Avengers Age of Ultron. And like, how can he be in Avengers Age of Ultron if he's dead? So hopefully that rumor is true, and he's now a superhero, um, which would Tahiti. be like. Yes, because Tahiti, because it is the Marvel Universe and nobody really stays dead. But although, Sky, although except parents stay dead. Yes. Now, yeah, how but you, I'm how just going to about Go ahead. I'm just going to pretend that Trip is alive. That was it. That's my whole thing. Go ahead. Okay. I think I'm on so a lag too, so I think I oh, Yeah. We're all just on a little bit of a lag, so it's not a problem. Yeah. How did you feel about all the hints about Sky's mom. Um, I don't. Well, what do you mean about all the hints? Like, because obviously I mean, she's Deacon Lockman, right? We know that, but like, do you mean who she is in the who comics? She is. Yes, because I'm not super up on the comics for her, so I got nothing. Yeah, I, I, I'm concerned that they're, they're moving in a direction where uh, certain characters may just actually be leaving the show uh, to, like, to the movie universe. I'm, I'm concerned that Sky's going to be one of them, and I think she's like the amazing focal point of the show right now, and that'll be insane. Yeah, I mean, she's my favorite, so I would... I, I mean, I, I probably would still watch the show because I love everyone. Um, See, but, like, Sky is definitely... See, I'm um, I'm a little bit behind you guys. I haven't seen the most recent episode, so I haven't seen the mid-season finale yet. However, with Sky, I'm still pretty much in the first season mindset of she's a cool character, but there's so much more they could be doing with her in terms of character, which is something that usually Joss Whedon is really strong with, so I'm kind of upset that she's so two-dimensional. Yeah, well, she and actually you isn't. That Joss isn't technically... I, I, yeah, I don't agree, but you, Joss isn't really in charge of the show. It's Marissa and Jed. Um, yeah, So, I mean, he, I think, has more of an overarching I mean, hand, but less of a specific, like, this is how I want this to be. It's more like, this is the arc, go. Yeah, and she's gotten better, don't get me wrong. She's gotten a lot better since the first season. But I still find other characters much more interesting 
then I find Scott. I think there's a reason for that. And I think the reason is this show from the very beginning, everybody's been screaming, move faster, move faster, give us more. And the fact that they haven't has worked to their advantage every step of the way so that each time something else comes out, something else is exposed, something else is given into the universe, you just kind of sit there and you go, well, that was worth waiting for. And he's the arcs that are going on that are being also uh, rippled and mirrored in a movie universe so that it's all working together as one at this point are going to be tested even further when the Netflix stories start coming out and the Netflix series start happening. So, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting set of building blocks. And I think the more we learn about Sky, the more interesting it's going to become. And it's just being doled out in little drips and drabs. And while annoying to some people, it's great storytelling. And I really like See- it. But I'm more interested in, like, I'm really upset they killed Trip because I was really fascinated in Trip's, like, responses and reactions to the things Ward was doing because they were mm-hmm. great, like, yeah. buddies and they were, yeah. t- they were, like, so tightly knit. And the actor who played Trip was so good at giving a subtle but intense performance. That yep. you watched and you were like, "Oh my gosh, that's got to be yeah, simultaneously devastating and so making him so pissed off." And oh god, I don't even know what a person would feel. And um, Fitz, Fitz losing part of his ability to express himself and to be useful, just as he was starting to feel confident in his usefulness like that whole arc has been fascinating to me and may like having to watch colson like start to fall apart after watching shield which was her life fall apart like all of these actors who are doing these background arcs are doing such amazing things that I want them to explore more because it's so fascinating and instead we spent five episodes staring at circles and lines etched on the wall and (sighs) you missed the payoff because you haven't seen it yet well I know and I know that there is a payoff but I feel like we they could have spent even a little bit, even like a minute or two less on the circles and lines part of the storyline and a little bit more on those subplots. But this is, the circles and lines bit is not the same as the farmhouse, the entire episode, uh, the entire season two of Walking Dead. Where you sit there and you apples go, and oranges, why God's apples name is this and oranges. Here? We hold Joss Whedon to a higher standard. Exactly. I know we do. Especially and when it comes to so when it comes to secondary characters and subplots that have big meaning. So what I want you to do is after you see the mid-season finale, revisit this and go. Does the punishment fit the crime? If, Did if the way... at this point, it's an if. No, the, the question no, we're we need to ask it. is... you can watch it. Yeah. Fine, I will. 
I've been waiting <laughs> for you, but I now I won't. Clearly, now you don't have to. <laughs> and then, guys, we get Agent Carter. Yeah, yes, I know. We do. I'm actually excited about that. I'm yes, also I'm disappointed, so though, because I'm yeah. going to get to see the first episode, and then I'm having really intense surgery. And so I'm not going to be able to follow it because I'm going to be on, like, heavy medication. I'm sorry. I'm told by somebody that if you watch, uh, what is it, Village of the Damned? No. Uh, Queen of the Damned. If you watch Queen of the Damned while you're really, really high after surgery, it's one of the best movies you'll ever see. I actually like Queen of the Damned, though, so I don't know. (laughs) Also, last time I had surgery and was on... Medication. I tried to watch Yellow Submarine, and well, I got really oh, I got really scared and upset and made yeah. them it off. Oh no! <laughs> no, I could um, not. Real quick on Yellow Submarine. Uh, sorry. Ah, um, real quick oh, on the okay. Agent Carter note, though. Um, Haley Atwell tweeted, "What lipstick?" Peggy wears. Oh my god, I need it right now. Alright, here, I'll put it um, I'll put it in the document so um, everyone can see if they want. Um, oh my but god. it's amazing and I'm probably gonna buy it. Guys, guys, um, Kriana's birthday did... is coming up. Just saying. Okay, alright. Well, I'm putting this in. Alright, it's in the document. Um, Thank you. And so I'm probably gonna buy that, but they also uh, she also tweeted the um, perfume that I and I can't buy that because it's $42, but I will also post that. <laughs> cool stuff. Cool stuff. And I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I know either. you're thrilled. I am thrilled. I think that may be one of the most cool things that that the Marvel slash Whedon universe has done is just, you know, take this character and just give her the spotlight for six, five or six episodes. Oh my god, I, I want it so one. bad. Oh my god, I want it so bad. Right. <laughs> oh my god, it looks so great. I'm, I'm totally gonna buy that when I get home. Oh my god, Amazon wishlist right now. You think I'm joking? You are so... I no, do we not know you're not joking. joking. Because it's been open on my computer for uh, a week and a half. Oh my gosh. Just staring at it, being like, I need it, I need it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's everything. And oh, so wait, no, I have real quick. I have another Haley Atwell story because I'm in love with her. Um, she tweeted the other day, I think it was like yes, uh, Monday or Tuesday or something, um, where she was like, she posted a picture and she was like our badass female camera operator. And some guy comments and he's like, why do you have to say she's a female camera operator? It sounds cooler if you just say camera, badass camera operator. Um, and her response was, I will... Um, when women get equal pay and recognition in the workplace, then I'll can just call her a, a camera operator. Bitch. And there I was like, go. yes, yes. There you go. Here. Yeah. When we, when, so the exact quote is when, we, when women have equal pay in the workplace, I won't have to make a point of it. And I was like, yes, tell them girl. So yep. That's today on Sarah loves Haley Atwell a lot. <laughs> is this going to be, is it, uh, uh, is um, it, I, I feel like this needs to be like every, every, every time. Yes. I feel like it, yes, it's okay. become a recurring segment, whether we intended it to or not. Kriana, that's a like, good. What did Haley Atwell do this? Haley Atwell, fuck yeah. Kriana, yeah. can we have some Haley Atwell this week 
intro music <laughs> yeah. for, for the next show. Beautiful. <laughs> Seems good to me. Uh, I, I want a Haley Atwell this week stinger for, for Sarah <laughs> from now. That also seemed good. Yeah, well, Hi. it's the halftime, so who's performing at halftime for us today? Somebody should be doing a halftime show. Well, that's creepy. <laughs> creepy laughing children! <laughs> wow, can you not? <laughs> that's right, you've never heard those before. <laughs> No, and I would love to never hear them again. You and everyone else. <laughs> yeah, really. when, I, I keep them in my back pocket to torture everyone. Oh, God. Wow, that's so nice of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess in lieu of a halftime show, we're going to go right to our guest, Ramon Gill, uh, who by day runs a graphic design company and by night runs a is graphic a super design I'm- company. No. No, no, by night. He's a comic book creator, having self-published a number of anthologies called Sci-Fis and contributed to comics at Vortex Comics, San Diego Comic-Con, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Ramon, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. <laughs> How you doing? Doing okay. A little bit Good. cold, but, you know, what can you do? Hey. Well, you could move to Texas like Sarah did this week and, and actually be Hey, warm, I didn't move. But, I'm visiting. Yeah, let's make visiting. that abundantly clear. Yeah. All right. We need to. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually sitting in my car because if I go inside the house, you'll hear more kids laughing. So it's the only way I can isolate <laughs> myself. Gotcha. So Hence we met cold. at Boston. <laughs> Hence the cold. Absolutely. So we met at Boston Comic-Con, where you just kind of walked over to our table and, and, and dropped a copy of uh, Sci-Fi on it, and we just kind of looked at it and went, this is a really, really interesting concept. Can you talk about the concept behind uh, Sci-Fi's? Well, um, the name is something um, I was just sitting on the domain name for years. Originally, it was supposed to be, I was going to come up with a way to make money off of it. And then um, this past year, when I decided to try to get back into comic books, I thought, you know what, um, I think that would make a great name for a comic book. And um, I really like telling different stories, so I figured, let's make it an anthology. Um, so all the stories are mine, but what I did was I hired a bunch of different artists to do the actual illustration. Um, I was, it was, I'm originally an illustrator, but it takes me forever. And if I was to draw the book myself, it would have never come out. So, from from a standpoint of, of continuity, the continuity is not in the visuals, but actually in the writing. Um, actually, there's really no continuity. It's different stories for with every issue. There are some stories that could go on, but I'm treating the anthology more as a, as a sampler of, of a, or a preview um, book for stories that I come up with. And I'm hoping that... Um, Publishers will pick up some of the stories, either as mini-series or regular series. Now, you worked in the comic book industry a while back. Yes, back in 93, I was an illustrator for Vortex Comics doing NASCAR autobiographies. And let me tell you, I learned more about NASCAR auto racing that year than I ever, ever wanted to. (laughs) 
I mean, I bought so many NASCAR magazines. I bought so many NASCAR magazines for reference, and I tell you, it didn't matter if they were selling spark plugs or engine parts. There was always a girl in the bikini holding it up. For no apparent reason. Yeah. No apparent reason, yeah. Much like the comic book industry sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, where where the characters are bent into impossible positions because somebody thinks that might actually look good. (laughs) I wonder what I was talking about there, yeah. (laughs) No idea. So how did did this group get together, this creative team for uh, Sci-Fi's? How did this creative team um, come together what, I, for Sci-Fi's? Well, for my graphic design company, I actually um, outsource a lot of work to the Philippines. And I've always um, been aware of all the talent that's out there for comic books. Um, and so I decided to just sort of like start hunting around on DeviantArt. I made a few connections and a few more, especially on Facebook. Found some really uh, good guys who had done... Um, professional work before, like Louis Antonio had done Red Sonia, um, and then um, I think, who else? Um, Roy Allen Martinez had done some stuff also, I can't remember off you know, on the, off the top of my head, and a couple of guys who actually did professional comic books back there. So I contacted them, wow. and they were more than happy to um, help out. And then one, and then at the Asbury Park Con, I'm, I met uh, Rudy Nebres, and he, um, he was willing to do the cover for me. So, kind of all just came together that way. Very cool. So, I, I mean, I, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole idea behind half of the team coming out of the Philippines and the other half being here, just kind of, how, how do you make that work? How does that work for you? Um, well, there were a few Skype sessions, but after the initial meetings, uh, story meetings, pretty much, you know, you kind of like get a feel for what the illustrator needs or, or what, you know, um, in terms of direction and in terms of the script. Um, sometimes I actually will um, sketch out a, sto- a very rough storybook with, you know, stick figures just to show them what the blocking should be um, and where the word balloon should be placed. Uh, but otherwise, everything is just via email and Facebook, actually. Sometimes they'll 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 post um, the pencils on 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 my on my timeline or, or their timeline, and I'll just approve it from there. That's kind. Of, I, I I don't know how if I could work that way, but I mean if it works for you, that's amazing. Um, and, but that's um, I work lots of different ways. I also work with I'm working now with uh, another illustrator here um, in Brooklyn uh, by the name of G- Gerard Conti. And he's working on a new story for me called Centuries. Uh, um, I also work with uh, this guy, Len Peralta, who works out of Cleveland. So it's, um, it's all, all kinds of ways. And of course, I'm, I'm working with Trevor Von Eden on um, the hard code. And he just wants no direction. He just wants the script and he wants to take care of everything himself. So he wants to do the research. He wants to do the layouts. No storyboards for him. He just, you know, he's very old school, you know, wants complete creative control. Cool. If that works, that's amazing. Yeah, so it it takes all kinds, and I'm happy to accommodate. So Sci-Fi isn't the only book that you have out right now. 
are, are all the books that you have out being published by you at this point? Um, Sci-Fi is self-published by me, um, but um, one of the stories in the first issue, Digital Tobacco, has just uh, it's being it's, it's just been published uh, by Statue Publishing. Um, they came out with an anthology called Out of the Blue. Um, I think it's Out of the Blue, uh, a collection of strange stories, and uh, and I've, I've seen the book and the other stories in there are, are amazing. Great art, great stories, um, and I'm also coming out. Another story um, called "The Professionals" is coming out um, through Indie Comics Magazine, coming out in in February. So, a couple of my stories are out there. Uh, as far as whole books uh, with just me in it, not yet, unless um, I'm self-publishing it. Now, <clears throat> last week you were at New York WinterCon in, yes. in New York City. And you hosted a panel. Yes. On on um, looking for careers in comics. There we go. With uh, uh, a number of very very uh, well known comic book artists and writers. Right. Um, I was lucky enough to get Tom DeFalco to participate. Um, mm -hmm. I had met Tom DeFalco back in '93 when I was still at Vortex. And I did tell, I told this story at the, at the panel, how um, I was sitting in the San Diego con cafeteria and I'm eating and in the middle of me drinking uh, some soda, he walks up with a tray of food um, and his you know, entourage and he says, can we share this table? And I did the spit take. Um, <laughs> you know, right on it, I just basically just doused the table. Uh, I was so embarrassed that I wiped the table down, I swallowed my food and I just just left the table. I said sorry, and I walked away. And you know, and I was like a young kid. And no, now, now I realize that if I, I should have stayed and not the moment and networked with Tom DeFalco and the Marvel staff. So um, when I finally well, yeah, got to, absolutely right. I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, now, so now running my own business, I know how important networking is. But back then, I didn't know. So when I got a chance to, um, I think I. I tweeted about it. I, I, when I started doing the comic book thing again, I, I blogged about that particular incident. I tweeted about it, and I mentioned it. Uh, I tweeted to, to Tom, and then uh, I friended him on Facebook, and I, and I showed him the blog post, and he says he sort of remembered the moment. And so when I, uh, when I saw he was going to WinterCon, I asked him, hey, would you want to be in this panel? And he said, sure. And I got Mark Maz also, who used to be... Um, I think an art director at DC Comics, Robert Sodaro, who um, who's uh, who's written for Amazing Heroes and a bunch of and Wizard and a bunch of other publications, and um, Nelson Ferro de Castro, who um, I think does work for both Marvel and DC. So we had a great time, and um, and putting on panels is something that I do for my regular work. So I figured, why not apply it to this? Um, when I started. Now, when I decided to go back to comic books, one of the first people I contacted was a good friend, Amy Chu, who just did some work for for um, Vertigo, and is, I think, about to do a Wonder Woman story. I'd known her for years, and all of a sudden, she did a career change, wanting to do comic books. And I figured, if she can do it, I should, I should give it a shot also. And she advised me on doing anthologies, because it's easier to get artists to commit to, like, uh, maybe like uh, fewer pages. And she also advised me to, to, um, to network and maybe get on some panels except instead of getting on the panel i just decided to organize my own there and you go it's been, it's been a great <laughs> place to park. 
Yeah. So, so there you go. It's, uh, it's been quite interesting. Now, Sci-Fi's Volume 1 was originally a Kickstarter project. Yes. Um, I think, yeah, Amy advised me on, on how to do that as well. And then, of course, did a lot of research on, on um, how to run a successful Kickstarter. I actually even you know, um, checked out a bunch of other Kickstarter campaigns and figured, tried to figure out what the common threads were for the ones that were successful and the ones that were not. And, you know, put a video in there. Make sure you're really marketing it every day once in a while the campaign, campaign is going on. Uh, what I did was I, I, I scrounged up enough money to pay for a, one page from each of the artists. And I used those one pages as uh, for the marketing. So I had to have something to show on the Kickstarter page. And luckily I was able to, you know, to, um, to fund it, um, get enough people to pledge. And we actually went about $1,000 more than, than I asked for. And that paid for... How long did that run? Um, the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah. You're, you have a choice of 30 or 60, and I chose 40 days. Okay. So, um, and I tell you, it's, you get a nice, great push in the beginning, but the middle part is like, you know, nerve-wracking because nobody's pledging. It's not until like the last couple of days when you're really <laughs> desperate and people are going, okay, 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 we'll pledge, we'll pledge. And so... Oh yes. So yeah, I, I well, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying anybody else is going to be doing a Kickstarter project anytime in the near future. But I, I've been hearing shouldn't. wonderful horror stories. I know. Uh, we've been talking with a lot of people who've been doing them, uh, who, who tell me just how much more difficult it is than you can actually imagine. Oh yeah, I'm still. I'm still fulfilling all the rewards. I'm not. I'm only about eighty percent done with fulfilling everybody's rewards. So. Yeah, it's 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 not as easy as everybody as, as as it looks. Oh, I don't think it looks easy at all, to be honest with you. Okay, well, well, that's good, I guess. So for you, it worked. Mm -hmm. You funded it in thirty-nine days, right? And then you got to work with your your uh, collaborators to put it together. Yep. And I've seen the final project of it. And uh, the final product is actually really, really cool. I if, like if I, I, you must only have then the, the first issue because we're already on the second issue, and the third issue is about to come out next week. So if you, oh, if wow. you send me an address, yeah, I'll send right. some copies. We will definitely do that because uh, we would love to be able to look at it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so what's – oh. There was one other project that you've done that I wanted to talk to you about, which is Driving sure. Mr. Stewart, um, yes. which is uh, two things converging at the same time, a kind of sardonic takeoff on Driving Miss Daisy and the random fact that Patrick Stewart actually moved into your neighborhood. Right. Apparently, Patrick Stewart so, moved to Brooklyn, and I... Go, go ahead? No, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, before I, I, I went on this, um, decided to get back into comic books, I would spend... Um, every summer, me and my friends would get together and shoot a movie, and I thought it would be great if you could get Patrick Stewart to do this little short film, you know, where we would 
he would be in a cab and he would be giving the cab driver directions the way he would, you know, um, on the Starship Enterprise, you know, engage and all that. Um, but then I figured, you know, it's like, I don't know when that's ever going to happen. So why not um, make, a, make it a, a comic story? So, um, which, was, which was cool. I don't have to worry so much about, you know, getting all the equipment, getting in the sets or getting actors or <laughs> to pay Mr. Stewart um, since it's parody. Um, so I just kind of, yeah, I just did it. I, I got Len Peralta, like I said earlier, from Cleveland, who's, who does great caricatures. Um, he does Geek a Week, where he he every week I think he he sketches some famous uh, nerd or geek um, and sells them as sketch cards or as as trading cards. But anyways, he did the story and it it looked great. I'm sure you saw it. And it's yes, I absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. It's it's an endearing, funny piece. It really is. Well, thank you very much. Um, the the cool part for me well. is that as as I'm reading it. You can actually hear Patrick Stewart's voice, which is to me is what makes it. Right now, did you? I know I hate to spell for everybody. Did you get? Did you figure out what he was calling the young man in the end? No. <laughs> at the end, at the end, um, he calls. I, I can't remember the Atreides. Um, he's mixing up all his sci-fi movies. So, so he's calling him he's, Dune, from Dune, right? Atreides. Exactly. Yeah. There you ha! go. Ha! Ah, sorry. I'm so proud. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Halfway through the story, he's saying, he's mentioning mutant kind. So at the end, I wanted him to reference Dune. I think it's funny that he calls the cab driver at one point, uh, Mr. LaForge. Another point, he calls him Lieutenant. It's just wonderfully. uh, it's, it's, It's one of those, this could actually happen deals, you know? Yeah, when Patrick Stewart gets Alzheimer's, that will happen. No, it'll happen when Patrick Stewart needs a cab, and there's somebody <clears throat> willing to play along with him who's driving it. Well, Patrick, Patrick Stewart, I will be an Uber driver for you. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if drivers have asked him to say things like that, you know? See, that just Engage. makes it not cool, though, if you have to ask. <laughs> You know. That's true. You'd want to ask I mean, really hard, but you gotta you gotta hold it in. As painful as that may be. But, uh, interestingly enough, I actually met Patrick Stewart back in the mid '80s when he was just starting out on Star Trek, and hardly ever anybody ever knew him. But I knew him, so it was kind of cool. You liked him before he was cool, is what you're trying to say. Exactly. The original nerd yeah. hipster. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Stephen Colbert, you know. I was a Patrick Stewart fan, you know, two days before everybody else. There you go. <laughs> two whole days. But those were two very important days. They were. They were seminal, even. Absolutely. So, what's coming up in the next couple of months for you? What's going on? Um. Well, let's see. Um, issue three is coming up which has the a story called Centuries, which is about these um, Earth Guardians who have been around for, uh, for centuries. Um, and I reference a lot of um, historical events, like, um, like for um, one of the people they recruit is, um, is Amelia Earhart to lead the defense for the, the, for the other forces. In another, uh, in another scene, you, um, um, I think it's, it's 
Is it Carter? Yeah, it's Carter is briefing Ronald Reagan about these, this alien uh, technology that they found. And Ronald Reagan's worried that, you know, well, maybe it's the Russians. And so what are we going to do? And some, so these scientists guys, you know what? We could create a Star Wars defense initiative. You know, so I, I'm referencing a lot of history. Um, and, the, and the characters, the main character, her dad was one of the, was one of the challenger astronauts. So there's some, some backstory there. Um, and then another story is coming out. It's called The Professionals about a, um, uh, a bunch of SWAT guys who try to create the illusion of one superhero. So they, they go in as a team, but only one of them actually shows their face or shows themselves to you know, the bad guys. But then when they take everybody out, it's all in the dark, so they're actually a whole team. And but it's more about the politics of uh, of the police department and city hall that that that, that the story's about. So because police politics are such a cuddly topic. Yeah, there's, there's nothing going on with nope. that at the moment, is there? None. Yeah, nothing exactly. So. And I, I'm yeah, glad I'm glad you're not willing to tackle the hard issues. <laughs> um, well, you know what? With all the stuff going on, I was actually thinking about. Maybe they should. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe um, there should, you know. I mean, there should, it should touch upon that. But right now, it's more about you know organized crime and um, and how it how hard it really is to put on this illusion of, of one superhero and and things go wrong and somebody dies and morale goes down. Hijinks ensue. So Hijinks ensue. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, and so, other than that, it's just you know more, more promoting, more um, going to cons, and more networking, and more trying to, you know, get the name out there. But let me ask you guys, you know, um, um, I have all these stories, but uh, from a marketing standpoint, it's really better to just focus on one, um, one, uh, I guess, property or one asset to promote to people to build a following. You guys agree with that? As opposed to a whole bunch of stories in an anthology. Depends how much time you have to devote to each one. Yeah, it really does. It's uh, I kind of like the anthology aspect of sci-fi's because it gives uh -huh. me it gives me the chance to look at it and go, well, okay, you've got a, a self-contained story here, a self-contained story here. I'd like to see this story go some further, and maybe that's how it maybe that's how it, it happens. You know, because there there are certain stories. Yeah, because it's, it's in the kind first of a, kind of a risk to pick just one thing. You pick one thing. What if it's the wrong thing? But if you let your audience tell you which which thing to pick, then you know you're going to make them happy. That's a good point. That's that's yeah, definitely um, <laughs> food for thought there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the cool thing is there. Like I said, there are a lot of self-contained stories in there. But there are a couple of them where you just listen to it and, and, you, and you read it and you go, yeah, I'd like to see more of that. And the more you hear from people, uh, the easier it's going to be for you to decide how you want to go with it and where you want to go with it. Yeah, don't take, don't just like take our opinions and what we like and like just do that. Oh, good because, Lord, no. You know, we, we, we're <laughs> not opinionated at all. We may or may not agree with the general populace, and I would sure hate to see you choose something based on just our opinion and have it not be successful. I mean, I don't think that's the way to do it at all. I was, um, no, I think I was if you... Go ahead. 
I, th- I think if you're at a con and you've got people who who know your work, I mean, those are the those are your that's that's your audience right there. Those are the people who can, you know, look at look at it and go, yeah, there's a story, as opposed to that was a story. There's, there's a whole difference there. Are you going to pontificate okay. upon it, Dome? I am not. All right. <laughs> Shall I play the thing then? I just want to say one more time, Ramon Gill does sci-fis. It's an anthology comic. Check it out. Check out his website. You can buy his stuff. You can buy uh, some of his own standalone stuff as well. It's worth the effort. It's worth the time. It's fun stuff. Ramon, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks so much, everybody. Not a problem. Kriana, what's happening on the show next week? Well, we've got a shitload of stuff happening. I do not have the coming up calendar fixed yet, but it'll get fixed. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Next week, ne- we have our next week. holiday doubleheader. Kelly Holly of the Science Fiction Theater Company and the inimitable Ron Garner comes to discuss his new Kickstarter project, Athena's Daughter because there were so many unanswered questions we really need another one and maybe a third possibly four just saying um and then we're out for two weeks for the holidays um and if you have a problem with that go eat a cat (laughs) that's very specific yeah puppies could work too now, I get to say, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic-Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts, and find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom. I want to thank Ramon Gill for joining us tonight. Interesting conversation, interesting fun. Uh, sci-fi and all this other stuff, very cool. I want to thank the cast for joining us tonight. For the regular time, Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and the woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you very much, ladies. Yeah, don't forget to bite me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From her own personal Galaxy Quest, which tonight has brought her to Texas, Sir Sarah Lady Knight, thank you so much, my dear. We'll see you next week. Hey, see you next week. Hopefully, I'll be in space. Space! And by space, I do mean Boston. (laughs) This is to whom saying, Terry and Jean, share pain is lessened, share joy increased. Thus, we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.